Action Fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. Chris the Brain with you, and as always, I am joined by Chad Cruz. And Chad, we are getting towards the end of 2022. Only one more episode after this, and it's going to be a new year. I know. I mean, a new year. Uh, I don't know what's going to change, except for the calendar. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I guess it's important to kind of turn that bad boy over and feel like you're starting something anew. Everyone has all these expectations when they start a new year. And, and uh, you know what my expectation is, Brain? What's that? To uh, help provide more for the website. Oh, that, I, yeah. you know, that's... For um, you. That's what I want to do for you. I, I appreciate that. And I also appreciate that the toy man, Christy Petrillo, is the man in the third chair this time around. Uh, Chris, I know it's a busy time of year for you, and Figures Toy Company. Yeah, we are getting swamped, uh, which is always a good thing. Uh, we've got a holiday sale going on right now, which is valid on all of our items, including the newest releases, such as the Ultimate Referee Action Figure and the Rosemary from the Rising Stars of Wrestling. But even the bigger budget items, like the Premium Real Scale Ring and the Steel Cage Playset, uh, you can save 10% on orders under $200 with code FTC10. You can save 20% on those bigger orders, 200 and up, with code FTC20. And it has definitely kept me busy, just as much as you keep me busy, with No Surrender Cinema, Scenes of the Week, and now a podcast about a longtime favorite film of mine. Well, you know, we're talking holidays, and before we get into our topic on this episode, we got to remind everybody, Chad, that this Friday, December the 9th, it is the third annual Geekscape Holiday Livestream Tacular to benefit Big Brothers and Big Sisters, and we are going to be talking about a non-action movie, uh, and it's going to be part of that big Livestream Tacular. Why don't you tell them about it, Chad? Yeah, I mean, you know, the last three years, this thing's been going on, and it's just been, uh, it's been super important to to for us and for everybody involved to help uh, to get involved to raise a little bit of money for the big brothers big sisters because it's so important uh so many young kids out there who 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 really desire and need that interaction with it with people and uh every little bit goes towards this uh this situation and it, you know like we can't give everything but the very little that we can do is watch an excellent movie and when we talk about movies, we normally talk about action movies, but it's Christmas season, so we're going to watch uh, one of your favorites of all time, and that is uh, Bill Murray's Scrooged. Scrooge, my absolute favorite Christmas movie of all time. Get to hear uh, me, you, and Brian Campbell joined us for that one, and uh, so that'll be a part of it. There'll be you know, all the Geekscape shows are involved. Obviously, the granddaddy of them all, the Geekscape podcast itself, hosted by Jonathan London. There's going to be special guests. There's going to be live music throughout the this whole live stream tacular. Matt Kelly working his butt off to put this thing together. So props to you, Matt. I know this is a this is their WrestleMania over at Geekscape every year. This is awesome. a big one. So uh, be a part of it. Uh, give if you can, um, and we'll Jeffy. Uh, Keep an eye on our social media, of course, at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter and at Bulletproof Action on Instagram and Facebook for details as to when we will uh, be slotted in there mm-hmm. on, on the uh, live stream tacular. Um, the goal this year, Brain, during that? our segment? Yeah. Anything. Any. <laughs> so, yeah, anybody who happens to find us and has the displeasure of watching 
us. Well, you'll love to see Chad Cruz. Um, <laughs> you know, 50 cents, that's all we need here. And uh, we'll have met our personal goal. But obviously, yes. we hope that much more than that is raised throughout the day. Uh, again, it's going to be an all-day event. Uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll get share more details on our social media. And of course, you could always go to Geekscape, geekscape.net for all the details. As you know well. what? I, I'd love for anyone who, who does make a contribution during our our time, during our segment, to uh, maybe just screenshot it. Yeah. And fired it over to us on, on Twitter, on our Facebook yeah. or Instagram. Fired over to us. And then uh, we'll give knows? you a shout out on the next episode. Right. Maybe there will be something special for you under oh. your tree. Oh, that's right. Maybe there there'll be something Perfect. very special under your tree that you that might is, be able to wear. Mm, ooh, I like yes. it. I like so, it. So go ahead. If you make if you make a contribution to Big Brothers and Big Sisters, I mean, it's it's already a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. But uh, we're going to gonna fatten it up a little bit even more for you, you know, make it make it more worth your while, except for just the good karma. Now you get a little little something extra. There you go. I love it. Stocking stuff or perhaps just a gift. Maybe you're not getting anything this year. Maybe you this is the one good thing you did all year. Yeah. Most people out there are terrible, right? Most of you <laughs> listening are awful, awful people. So oh, do shit. something nice for once. I don't, I don't in know your life. that, Chad. Oh, really? No? I, no, I, I I hope not. But you could be right. You could be right. But yeah, that is going to be a very special edition of the Bulletproof Podcast uh, as part of the Geekscape holiday live stream check there. But we've got a special episode here as well for you. Uh, and we're dedicating this to the memory of Albert Pune, uh, the filmmaker who recently passed away after poor health for the last several years. Um, he had MS. He had dementia. Certainly, you know, it was one of those things where it wasn't really shocking to hear that it happened, but it's obviously still sad when anybody uh, passes away. But in Albert's case, you know, he left behind uh, quite a legacy. And I think unfairly at times in his career, people just immediately disregarded his work. But if you're an action fan, and you, you probably are if you're listening to this podcast, there's probably a movie out there that he did that you at least one movie. I think we all have at least one Albert Pune movie we love. I know, Chad, you're a huge Captain America fan. I am. I am a huge Captain America fan. Part of that comes from how difficult it was to find the film when I was a kid. And uh, we had, I, I come from a small town in Southern Ohio, and there's only three, really three video stores in our town. And, and uh, they kind of differed in their quality and <laughs> what types of films they showed. But, uh, the, one of the one of the ones that was Chad's uh, favorite was the one that had the back room. But I like on. the one with the dark room where you go in there and there's <laughs> weird grunting in the corner. But uh, the only one of them carried the Captain America film that that was made by our our, uh, our good pal Albert Pune, and and uh, so it made it like more rare to me. And so when I was able to go over there to that part of the town and and rent it, you know, every time I went to that store, I rented that movie because it mm. was it was that special to me. And then, you know, I know our our friend, friend of the show, Aaron Williams, loves Cyborg. That's one of his absolute favorite movies. Um, and Chris, we're going to be talking about your favorite Albert Pune movie, I believe. Uh, yes, it is. Show. Certainly. I would certainly have to say that out of all of them, and, you know, I am a fan of Captain America, fan of Cyborg. Uh, Alien from L.A. is a favorite, probably because the Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode was hilarious. But yeah, Kickboxer 2 is my favorite from him from his filmography. 
And uh, as we'll get into, my favorite in other avenues as well. Oh, yeah. I know you've got that hot take and Chad Cruz is not going to like it. Um, you know, and I would have to, I'd have to say that Kickboxer 2 is probably my favorite Albert Pune movie as well. Uh, and back in 2020, we did our ultimate Albert Pune countdown on the site for our anniversary. And it actually came in at number two right behind Cyborg. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so we've got uh, and chat. We've all watched it. We're all ready to go. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk Kickboxer 2, The Road Back, right after this break. Chris the Brain, Chad Cruz, and the Toy Man, Chris Petrillo, back with you here on the Bulletproof Podcast, dedicating this one to the memory of Albert Pune, and we're going to talk about his movie, Kickboxer 2, The Road Back, released June 14th, 1991. The most notable thing right off the bat, Chad Cruz, we don't have any Jean-Claude Van Damme. He did not uh, opt to return for the sequel. Instead, he decided to do Double Impact. Uh, so we get a new Sloan brother. We do. It's uh, it's a bit jarring at first. Uh, I, I'm a lot different now than I was when I was, you know, seven, eight, nine years old when I first watched this. And when I was young, I did not appreciate the fact that this series went on without Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, but now looking back, um, I accept it much more. And I think that if you're going to have like a, a younger brother role, I think that Sasha Mitchell... He does it well. He he kind of he plays a very different character than than uh, Kurt or Eric Sloan. So I think it fits, and they do a good job at the very beginning of the movie with the with kind of the montage at the beginning of the film. And he's in Sloan gym. He's got the pictures of his brothers on the wall, and it it's really kind of like shoving it in your face, like, hey, this is another Sloan. He's he's also a Sloan. Uh, don't turn it off. He's also a Sloan. <laughs> And he, I guess, resembles Kurt Sloan a little bit more than Eric did, or or it was a whole like Dudley Boys situation with the Sloan. Wasn't wasn't uh, Kurt like a half brother to Eric? No, no, they were just uh, no. I think they're one just was... the parents divorced, so okay. one, one was raised. So Kurt was raised in Europe, which is why he had the accent. Eric, <laughs> yes, Eric stayed in in the states with Dad. No, no mention of. I guess David also was in the states. I yeah. don't. He wasn't mentioned in the first one. But Chris, the the introduction of of David Sloan and you know one of the great things about the original Kickboxer, so many great songs. Yeah, thanks to Stan Bush. But this this song here, my brother's eyes, Chris. It, it's it matches right up with the original songs. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to do a montage or if you're going to try to get the blood pumping for an action film, this is the kind of song you want. Uh, Definitely fits the vein of all of those 80s and 90s rock anthems that we saw in movies like The First Kickboxer or from something like Rocky IV. And it's uh, a bit of a rarity because there has been no full release of this song. Uh, You know, you and I were talking the other day about uh, how I stumbled across one of the montages where someone kind of fine-tuned it and managed yeah. to edit it better than some of the other copies up there. And you had actually seen the same one. And that's probably the best copy I've ever heard of it, which is really just the opening credits on a loop to the extent where you can actually hear the sound of David right. Sloan punching it, and kicking the bag the in bag, the copy yeah. that's on YouTube. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a great song. And yeah, hopefully somebody does release it. P- put it up on my Spotify. I'll put it in my Bulletproof Action playlist instantaneously. I'll tell you Hell that yeah. right now. 
now there's a a character, this young lady. She's credited as Lisa, but I swear they never called her Lisa in the movie. But that's what she's credited as. She's a young girl. She's a David Sloan loyalist. And mm-hmm. uh, she's bringing a pre-90210 Brian Austin Green by Sloan's gym to show him what a champion looks like. And we get this whole uh, blindfold trick, Chris, which kind of comes into play a couple times throughout the movie. Yeah, so David Sloan, he's like the uh, the do-gooder of the neighborhood. But for some reason, a lot of the street kids are uh, not, fan of, uh, not fans of him. And they think that all of his karate and mysticism and everything is bullshit. And Brian Austin Green calls him out on it. And he's like, all right, tough guy, come on, take your best shot. And he does this little trick where he's blindfolded and allows Brian Austin Green to unload on him. But through the power of being a kickboxer, mm-hmm. he's able to deflect the attack and yeah. show him that maybe he should watch his mouth next time. Never touched, never touched. You know, David Sloan would make a good big brother. He would indeed. And you know what? He he fills a lot of the roles that the Big Brothers, Big, big Sisters does but by bringing these kids in and giving them a place to to sleep if need be, but also, you know, providing that kind of uh, that that uh, older, uh, very much a do-gooder role that, I mean, it, if I have one complaint about this movie, just at the very, like the first 10 minutes of it, it's that David Sloan is just like too nice. Yeah, he's I'm real... Like, He's Kurt really, Eric was like hitting on every chick that came around or getting shit faced. Like, yeah, he's a real chill dude. I he think is a very chill be. dude. And uh, I do have, have to correct you brain that uh-oh. this was not a pre nine Oh two one Oh Brian Austin green because nine Oh two one Oh actually debuted a year before kickboxer two. Mm, got him. Wow. Nine Oh two one Oh debuted on Fox in 1990. Was Brian Austin green. But this it? was a pre step-by-step Sasha Mitchell. That well, there you go. I wondered about that. I wasn't sure of that. This is when he was on Dallas when he played J.R. Yeah. Ewing's bastard son. I, wow. you know, watching step by step, I it probably affected the way I wa- I saw this film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and when I was 10, 11 years old, I when I had kind of returned to this movie and watched it again, and after having seen step by step, I probably liked it even less, to be honest. Yeah, Do you like, remember the episode of Step by Step where Cody had to teach Mark karate and the evil karate instructor was Dale Jacoby? I do not remember that. Yeah, look look that one up. Oh, yeah. yeah, Mark Mark went to a karate class and the uh, shitty evil instructor was actually uh, our buddy Dale Jacoby from No Retreat, No Surrender. How about oh. that? And doesn't Dale Jacoby have a small part in this movie, I believe? I thought I saw his name in the credits. Or maybe he was just a stunt guy, but... I will say... Oh, sorry, Brain. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'll, I'll say that's, you know, one thing step by, or two things step step by step did well. Awesome song uh, for yeah. a sitcom. And then, yeah. you know, go. as a young man, <laughs> lots of, lots of adorable young women on that show. Yeah. Thigh master Suzanne Summers was on there. Wasn't Indeed. She? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we are going to meet uh, Jack. Longtime friend of the Sloan family, played by John Deal of Miami Vice fame. Uh, also the serial killer from Angel. And yeah, and in uh, the movie Mikey. Yes, he, great movie. He, he was the uh, stepdad in that one. Um, so he's uh, he's in there, friend of the Sloan family. He's breaking the news to Mr. 
you know, David Sloan, all Zen, all just like, whatever, man. He's, <laughs> he's like a modern day hippie in yeah. so many ways. And it's like, uh, you know, this gym requires money to operate and there's <laughs> bills to pay. And uh, this, it's probably not long for the world, the way we're, we're heading. Um, but it, that's not David's concern. He's about training the kids, teaching the kids, giving a place for these fighters who probably don't have a, a ton of resources a place to, to work out and to, to hone their skills, Chad Cruz. I know, you know, what really sucks is when you think about this film and, and the financial problems that David's going through with his gym. Um, if he had just been able to get hooked up with the school from, uh, from the Mark Dacascos film, um, he could have been teaching these kids Taekwondo during and after school. Um, yeah, just in an old firehouse. In an old firehouse. Well, he already had a gym. He didn't need to yeah, buy an old firehouse. True. He could have been. He could have been. You know, hooking up with the blonde teacher. He could have had all that. But it's just, uh, you know, I'm bad getting timing. inspired to do a what if only the strong two column. I like it. Oh, I yeah. like it a lot. I like it too. I like any anytime anybody on the staff says I am inspired <laughs> to work. So I'm like, go for it. Uh, Brain, I've got like 12 drafts. I know you do. (laughs) I know you do. Some for things. Yeah, but we need you to write, not drink beer. (laughs) Ah, shoot. Chad Uh, booze. Shoot. Chad booze indeed. (laughs) Chad booze indeed. Uh, Justin Micaiah shows up, played by the one and only Peter Boyle. Uh, And he... You know, he's kind of got a Vince McMahon type vision for what kickboxing could be. He wants it to be bigger, better, and badder than it's ever been before. Uh, he's he runs the UKA, which is the United Kickboxing Association. For those in the know, and the world champion is a very familiar face to us, Chad Cruz, Neil Vargas, played by Matthias or Matthias, however you want to say it, Hughes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What a wonderful face to see on screen. You know, as an action fan, you see, I, I, I always call Matthias, whatever his name is, uh, Matty Hughes. Uh, anytime I get to see him on screen, it's just a joy. And uh, I think the more that you hear from this guy, the more you see in interviews and such, he just seems like such a good dude. A one, yeah. What a wonderful, wonderful guy. Wonderful, wonderful guy. guy. And uh, what a great hand too, because you, you put him in any role in any movie, especially you, you think about these these action movies he did early in his career, and how little martial arts experience he had. He had, and and he looks great. Like he he's got a great look to him, and he always he mostly plays a bad guy, which is perfect for him. So uh, yeah, it's just great to see him show up in any film. And this, yeah, the, yeah, it's perfect the way you said show up because he, it's almost like a sleeper role for him. You almost forget about him being in it because he's not in it for long. Right. Um, you know, and you think about obviously our, our David Sloan and we'll get into some of the returning characters from the original. Uh, but yeah, you have him. He's not a, a big fan of David Sloan basically because we find out that both the Sloan brothers beat his ass. But was Kurt... I guess this is a question I had. Was Kurt like a professional fighter in the first one as well? I know obviously Eric was. It seemed like he was more like the tag along. So when did he fight freaking Neil Vargas? The amateur ranks, perhaps? My exhibition belt. See, and my guess was the time between part one and part two. Uh, because it's. <laughs> And I well, can't. no, you're kind of burying the lead there because in between part one and part two is when the tragedy happened. Right? I know, but what happened after Kurt came back from Thailand? That And that was my thought was because we never get we, – we get part of the story later about what happened to Kurt 
and uh, yeah. Miley, but we don't know where it happened. That's I don't true. I believe they ever say where it happened. Um, and I just kind of assumed, okay, so we've got the Sloan gym. Where did this gym come from? There's a lot of inconsistencies here. Where did this gym come from? Who was the, did someone run it before David? Did, did Eric run it? Uh, I don't have any idea. He was kind of like a champion traveling around fighting people. And like you said, Kurt grew up in Europe. and That's probably where Jack came in. He was probably just wanting – he was in charge of keeping – That very well could be, yeah. And But like you said, we don't know when he fought Neil Vargas. And, and uh, I just kind of assumed that it was after he had whooped Tong Po's ass, he like kind of became a pro and, and, and was a champion or something. But I don't know. I can't confirm that anywhere. And Chris, then we also meet here uh, basically David's prize student – in, in the gym, Brian, another familiar face to action fans. Yeah, uh, Mr. Vince Murdaco taking on a role. Now, this was, I believe, like only his first or second role. And uh, it would be the first in a long line of roles where Vince Murdaco played a character who did something that just screwed up <laughs> everything moving forward. <laughs> he did it in Ring of Fire. He did it in To Be the Best. And Kickboxer 2 is where he started that run of being a... Uh, well-intentioned screw-up. Yeah. Yeah, Vinny Murdaco, who uh, lost out on the role of for uh, Tommy on El Capoco Heat to his good buddy, Michael Worth. Big Mike. So, yeah, we get Brian. Uh, Makaya's there. He's, you know, again, Vargas isn't too happy, but Makaya's there just kissing up. He's like, ah, I want a Sloan on my company. So he's paying David Sloan all kinds of compliments. Wants him to be the spokesperson, but David is not interested. But Chad, somebody in there, Brian is like, oh, mm-hmm. wait a minute. He's got dollar signs and dreams in his head, just listening to uh, what Mr. Micaiah has to say. Right. I think it, it's clear that Brian and, and David don't have the same uh, philosophy when it comes to, to fighting or to training in general. And, and that's okay. There's people with differing philosophies that, that train martial arts together, but it really seems like they're kind of at that fork in the road where uh, Brian kind of believes that David's taken him as far as he can go. And that he he's with those, like you said, with that money, with that briefcase full of cash, uh, I think Brian's ready to jump ship. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that kind of sets that up and more to come with that. But now we're going to meet foul mouth Joey. He's showing up. He is the littlest hobo, so to speak. He just comes in and he's looking to train and he's got a bad attitude, a bad mouth. Uh, but uh, Chris, David takes him in nonetheless. Again, perfect big brother type scenario here. Uh, makes a deal with the kid. Yeah. He said, if you can kick the bag 500 times, He's got a cot in the basement for him. So uh, once again, David acting like Mother Teresa, as Jack called him earlier in the film, (laughs) but making sure that Joey earns his keep. Although now we don't get a, you know, backstory to Joey or anything. It's just like, hey, you're a street kid. Hey, you know, you get a mouth on you. Oh, by the way, need a place to stay. It's like that quick. And uh, I have a feeling that if that was in a movie this day and age, they might try to cancel David Sloan real quick (laughs) for letting a young man just stay in his gym. Yeah, Yeah, not not vetting him beforehand uh, either which way. Uh, So, yeah, Jack, meanwhile, has ideas to save the gym. But the number one, Chad, is the obvious. David, you need to fight. 
you yeah. need to take some kind of exhibition fights. We need some cash in here. Um, and, and we've kind of learned a little bit about the way David viewed himself compared to his brothers. Yeah. And, and I think that these are the, these are the scenes in the movie I like the most because, um, I have this deep affection for the first kickboxer film. And, and the more that you can tie the sequel into that first original one, uh, it makes me happier. So, uh, as much as I love Sasha Mitchell, I, I think that he does a good job of conveying that whole, um, youngest brother, you know, he's not traveling the world fighting for championships. That's just not him. And, uh, and he never felt like he was as good as his other brothers. Um, he never got the accolades they got. He never, you know, he just, I don't know. I don't know if it's just a mental thing with him, but he, he's kind of happy doing what he's doing. And, uh, but everybody knows, even Kurt and Eric knew that David had the most heart. So sometimes David, it seems like he needs to be reminded of that. He's content being the underdog. Yes. Yeah. He plays it well. And, uh, you know, he's uh, content going to Brian's house for dinner, even though his mother makes a horrible pot roast. <laughs> God, that bitch better learn how to cook. That's all I got to oh, say. Wow. Okay. So Brian and, and, you know, so his mom talks to, to David and it's like, you know, Brian's made up his mind and she obviously knows she raised the young man. He's made up his mind. He's going for it. So just do your best to look after him. Uh, don't let him get hurt. And, uh, that doesn't quite work out, but we'll get to that. Uh, you know, and, and that's when Brian's like, okay, you know, he's like, I'm done, David. I got to do my own thing now. Thank you for what you did basically, but I'm going with Micaiah. Um, and this is, uh, this is where we get a disappointed. David goes back to the gym, starts doing a little training and then he kind of, he has to give in Chad and he has to agree to the fight. You know, when, when Jack said, you know, I have some ideas how we can save the gym. Number one is you need to take some fights, earn some money. I, I think number two was like, we need to take some like business management courses or something. Like you need to learn how to run a business. But, but I think that number one, okay, first we've got David on, he's, he's in now, ready? He, he's ready to fight. And uh, he even says it himself, like, I'm agreeing to take the fight, like do it before I change my mind. Right. So. Yeah. But then the next day, David's back to, to his regular business, teaching his youth class. We see Brian come in to clean out his locker. Uh, kind of a little emotional scene there um, as David is preaching to the kids. But at the same time, Chris, you know he's trying to get that message to to Brian. Yeah, a little bit of uh, passive aggressive directed towards Brian. Like, you know, you should be listening to me. You should be listening to my advice. But Brian wants to take the low road to get to the high point. And it's not long before we see him all suited up on the Saturday where Mr. Sloan has his big f- comeback fight booked. And against none other than UK champion Vargas, it was basically the only fight Jack could get him because the UK is the only game in town at this point, <laughs> Chad Cruz. <laughs> Brain, I think that that's like some uh, AEW booking. Your first match is against the champion. Yeah. Yeah, not with <laughs> zero build. Was it a title eliminator match? <laughs> oh goodness! But yeah, it's great. It's great. He has, a, he has no, Hughes is back. No record there. Just yep. uh, meanwhile, you've got somebody who's been fighting for weeks with a <laughs> fifteen and oh perfect record, and but he's got that not, slow name value. Yeah, that is true. He does. He yeah, sell he, tickets, man. He he's a former McMahon guy, so he gets right in there. Um, right. 
so yeah, we get to the to the venue, um, and uh, this is where David meets uh, Micaiah's business partner, the mm-hmm. one and only Carrie Hiroki Tagawa, playing Senga. And you know that some bad shit's about to happen when old CHT shows up, Chad. Oh, he is such a, an amazing villain, and he doesn't even have to be a bad guy yet to seem bad, right? You know, of course, I, we've seen him in a, in a million movies. So you know that eventually he's going to be a bad guy. But just when he appears on screen, you're like, oh, shit. He's got some underhanded stuff he's about to pull out. And, it, of course, it it comes true. And this is where we see the suited Brian confront David on his way to the ring to the fight because he just he's he doesn't get it, Chris. He's like, why can you fight against the UK guy, uh, but you don't, like, join up with it? And it, it's pretty simple. Micaiah doesn't own David Sloan. He's a he's a free agent. He's fighting against the man. He's the people's champion. He really is. And uh, refereeing this bout, mm-hmm. the late great Judo Jean LaBelle, who even gets like mentioned by name as he did. Yeah. Most times he's just kind of there as the referee, and nobody says who he is. Um, but uh, he's Judo Jean LaBelle. And he's in there, um, and the fight starts. David's look. Looks good early, uh, but you get Vargas taking over. Uh, but then we get David. Chris, he slows up. <laughs> he slows up. I like at the beginning, though, when uh, Judo Gene tells Vargas, none of your wrestling bullshit. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. That's a good line. <laughs> so that, that was a nice little uh, inside joke. And Vargas also, for a kickboxing match, not wearing the normal uh, kind of like flowy you know, workout pants or kickboxing yeah. pants, he had on essentially what were wrestling tights. Yeah. Kickboxing he... in them. He but has a very unique fighting style. <laughs> he does. And, uh, you know, not only this fight, other fights in the film, too, because uh, the majority of the fights were all kept in the ring, a very sporty feel to them. Very Rocky-ish, you know, a lot of close-ups, a lot of slow-mo, and a lot of blood for a normal kickboxing match. For a minute, I thought I was yeah. watching Matthias and Black Belt again because uh, a couple of kicks and he was covered in the corn syrup. Hmm. And well, and and he ends up zero and three against the Sloan. So he just the Sloans just have his number, uh, and not good. Justin is basically disgusted by what he's seen. Sanga is oddly happy though, Chad. Yeah. So again, you're like, what is? Wait a minute, you're you guys are partners. Your boy Makai is there, probably thinking about how much Pepto Bismol he's going to need to drink later, and. You're just laughing at it up. Uh, it's it's strange. And then we get the post match interview, which also is very AEW like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> David Sloan just gets on the mic and shits all over the company <laughs> and just and retires. Uh, so he's just like, yeah. And there's you know nobody tries to stop him. He's just doing his thing. Makaya is pissed. Their sponsors now wanting out. Uh, right bad press is already like this is even pre-internet could you imagine if this was oh, like, yeah. social media would have this would have caught fire in now, two seconds yeah how much money did david make in this fight if he can just retire after one fight what is he <laughs> uh is he, this ain't a floyd mayweather fight uh, he must have got a good he must have got like the hogan deal i don't know <laughs> i guess so. david sloan is the cm punk of uka <laughs> He got a hell. Yeah, he's just gonna. You're gonna still pay me. I'm gonna sit at home. You son of a bitch. All right. So, so yeah, we get that. Uh, yeah. Now, but Senka's like, okay, I don't care what the hell the guy said on the mic. We're getting. You need to get him to oh, yeah. fight again. 
And so it's it's obviously now that there's some real personal reason that Senga is involved here. Um, and we, we find a way. We find a way to make this happen. And it's a roundabout way. But a couple of masked goons show up at Sloane's gym. And Chris, they're not there uh, for good reasons. No, uh, we get some arson in a kickboxing film. And a couple of goons get taken out by David. He yanks the mask off one of them. Neil Vargas going from kickboxing champion to criminal. <laughs> and unfortunately, David winds up getting shot by him. Vargas takes off. Next thing we see is David's in the hospital. And we get a little bit of exposition that uh, young Joey did not make it out of the gym when mm, it was torched. What a sad, sad day. Chad mm. Cruz. Hmm. It's hard to see. I know you're not a fan of arsonists. Not at, well, you know, <laughs> a lot of vacants out there, you know, no, I'm not a fan brain. No, 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 no one really should be, but you, you're, no. you're more directly uh, affected by. It hits closer to home. Hits closer to home for me. Yeah, it does. And you know, you never want to see a, a kid die, of course. Uh, in, in a which film. we don't, <laughs> which we don't, but we hear about this kid dying in the film and, and it, but it does play a very important, uh, part in, in getting David, uh, off his back, back onto his feet and getting his ass back into a ring. And, and, you know, it's kind of at this point in the movie where I started to think, okay, David's already kind of been through a lot. Uh, he's, I think he's going to need a little extra something to get him back, to bring him back from, from the, the bitter depths that he's in right now. And I just hope that maybe, maybe they find somebody who can do that. Oh, you know, you know, and, and the, the title or the subtitle of the movie, the road back kind of gives away that he has to kind of, I guess, fall off the road or fall he has to get to the lowest of lows so he could take that road back and who better to help him on the road back than zian dennis chow from the original he is in zian really helped kurt defeat tong po and now here he is basically chris just to help david back to, to being able to walk again yeah. just to, to get back into society and now this was actually their first meeting as well. Right. Because while David's in the hospital, uh, Brian actually goes to visit him. So I guess showing that he do, does still have some uh, affinity for his friend there. He's not going to be a total dick about it. But here he's like, you know, they're bringing in your brother's trainer from Thailand to help you. And David is not as receptive as one would hope uh, or one would think that he should be. Because uh, much like when we were talking about Joey dying, He's just kind of carrying this burden, carrying all this weight on his heart and uh, on his mind. And I actually think that the low budget of this film, not showing us the gym exploding or Joey's actual passing, we just see him kind of trapped in the fire briefly. I actually think that kind of adds to the emotional level that we're watching David walk around at because, you know, we know what he's feeling. We can kind of feel it because he's exuding it. He wants no help. He wants nothing to do with anybody. He's just like, you know what? I am at my lowest point and we know he's got to come back from something. And this is what he's got to come back from. And I want to correct myself. It's Dennis Chan who plays Zion. Um, 
so yeah, he's there. Uh, David doesn't want the end there. He's like, get the hell out. I don't know. What do I need you for? Uh, and now we meet a, an Albert Pune favorite, Chad Cruz. Because Sanga has a hired gun played by the one and only Vince Clinn from, of course, Cyborg fame. Mm-hmm. And many an Albert Pune movie. Uh, and he's and this is where we kind of get the backstory. And this is where we find out what happens when an actor does not want to return <laughs> for a kickboxer movie. Yeah, Vincent Clint, uh, the the I forget what was his name in Cyborg. It was like a Fender or what? Fender. Yeah, was he Fender? I know they were both like guitar names. But uh, yeah, very very cool actor in Cyborg, and, and a much smaller role in this one. Like you said, he's the higher muscle. And uh, but a huge, a crucial part in the film here where we get kind of the reintroduction of Tong Po and that connective uh, tissue between the first film and this film is kind of even stronger here because Sangha tells him the story. Uh, Tong Po, after his defeat at Kurt's hands, he wanted a rematch and Kurt's like, uh, go to hell, I'm not doing it. Right. And, and then they meet, uh, I believe it was like on a a pier or something like there's like a train platform or something like it, that. Okay. It, so allegedly there's a, a, a whole scene, a whole fight scene out there somewhere that's supposed to be remarkable, but they said it was too good. It looked, it made the fi- the finale look too bad because the scene between Tong Po, Michael Kesey and whoever it was playing Kurt here was really, really good. So they had to pull it from the film, hmm. uh, which would have been interesting to see because what we do see is we see that Tong Po bloodied, uh, basically shoots Kurt right in the, right in the forehead. Um, and yeah, you ain't coming back from that. It's hard to, yeah, it's hard to dodge those bad boys when they're coming right at your forehead. But, uh, you know, they, they, the fact that Tong Po never got to reclaim his honor from getting his ass whooped at the hands of Kurt Sloan. Uh, but now Sanga found out about, uh, young David here and, uh, they kind of went about this whole process of, you know, getting, David back in the ring and, you know, ruining his life and all that shit, you know, right. and yeah. killing an actor that looked nothing like Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> yeah, that was, <laughs> that was tough to see. The three you know? of us could all be considered Sloan brothers if this is what we're going on. Uh, and, and, and Senga also knows how important Brian uh, is to David, or at least was to David. Um, so that's part of the plan too. So he, he has Micaiah, basically say hey give brian a championship fight and you know here's a kid who that's all he's dreamt of of course he's going to say yes of course he's going to want to be a part of it so he starts his training for the championship meanwhile we see david check out of the hospital we see old vince clinn just kind of watching because that's his job he's just to make sure that uh david nothing happens to him and then he gets back to where he needs to be uh, there's Jan. he's there to meet him uh, once again, Dave's like, get, I don't, what are you doing here? I don't, you, you, you knew my brother. You don't know me. Get, get out of here. And then I love this part. We get a feeling sorry for yourself montage, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we get sad sack David just sitting in his, uh, you know, motel room and going back to the burned down gym and just, you know, with a tear in his eye and a scowl on his face, he just doesn't want anything. He won't even open the door for Lisa. And uh, actually, it's not even locked, so she can just walk right in because yeah. it's just stuck. One of my favorite scenes, I'm not going to lie. It's not locked. It's just stuck. 
Like that well, seems yeah. real. That felt like a real thing. To well, I, I felt like that was almost like him speaking of his internal turmoil. <laughs> like, oh, I'm dang. not locked. I'm just stuck. Yeah. Mm. You know, and, and as hot as it was, it seemingly, I mean, he seemed like he was sweating like a pig, you know, you could imagine maybe the wood was swollen, you know, expanding. It just, yeah, the doors weren't working. That place was a dump. And, you know, uh, the, the feeling sorry for yourself montage reminded me of the uh, blood sport, you know, on the on the subway or bus, whatever subway, it was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That was, oh my God, Stan Bush song there too, I believe. It's just unbelievable. Uh, I, I, you could, you could basically fit that song into any movie and I would, I'd pop for it. You, I, I know you would. And you know, so basically she's like, you need, when it's all said and done, you need to give Zian a chance. Uh, and he, Zian shows up next. He's got some tough love. Um, you know, he can't make everything that's gone down right, but he could teach that David Sloan to walk again, Chris, because he's got kickboxer magic. He does have kickboxer magic. And we basically get, uh, you know, earlier in the film, Jack's like, Hey, why don't you open the gym up for aerobics classes? And he's like, oh, man, like Kurt and Eric would come back from the grave and kick my ass if I did something like that. And then the next thing you know, he's basically doing kind of like a cardio kickboxing, Tai Chi, tai chi in, the park, in yeah. the park with the uh, vagrants and uh, homeless population of the city. Yeah. And that whole, yeah, that whole thing is very Rocky like, though, like yeah. with Rocky running down the street and then all the kids start running with them. That was very and even the music they were using it. It was very Rocky esque. It's it's very I mean, it's very David Sloan. Like it, his character kind of stays the same throughout the, the film. Like he, he doesn't, he's not a flashy guy, <laughs> you know, like he has no interest in kind of the accolades and uh, ceremonial shit. Like he just, just kind of doing his thing. And, and you know, that's, uh, I kind of wish he had taken it harder. He, he talks about his brothers being dead. I don't know how Eric died. Do we know how Eric died? I, it's implied that Tom Tong Po killed them both. I yeah. think he because Jack says, uh, you know, kickboxing didn't kill your brothers. Fighting in Thailand killed your brothers. Right. I think he may have rolled him off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> we see him, uh, you know, shooting Kurt. But uh, was it? Maybe, maybe, he rolled him in, was yeah, maybe he rolled him in the train tracks if, if there was a train platform. That's very possible. But, it, you know, it's... Uh, those are those are the types of things that, that bother me about this film. And, and you know, it has nothing to do with the content of the movie. It's just like I can't get over that he he doesn't seem to be as hurt or pissed off that his brothers were killed. And maybe he doesn't know at this point that it was Tong Po. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I don't think he does. He doesn't know it was him, but he knows they're dead. I don't think he even knows anything of who Tong Po is. Right. To be honest with you, because when he shows up a little bit here, Xian basically has to tell him, you, you got to get Brian out of there. And that's the guy who killed your freaking brothers. So, right. Right. So, yeah, it wasn't like he saw him. He's like, that son of a bitch. He, no, he that's didn't what know I wanted. Yeah. That's what I wanted. Uh, well, rebook it. Uh, I'd love to rebook would, it. Wouldn't, wouldn't be the first time you tried that. I'm rebooking everything. All right. Well, you do that. Meanwhile, Zian takes uh, David up on a roof, and we we had a little extreme strength exercise there, kind of a sink or swim type situation there, because he could have just been dead, Chris. <laughs> he could have been. This may have how this may have been how Eric died. I don't know. <laughs> He's all upper body. That's true. He should have been fine. He should. Yeah. Have. 
That I mean, if you know, if they did a heel turn by uh, Zian, like, oh, you want to know how your brother died? I am how your brother died. <laughs> and they just kicks him off the roof. I I told him I could get him to walk too, but I realized I bit off more more than I could choose. So. It also says a little bit about how smart David is. <laughs> Zian's like right. He's like tying this this long rope up there. He's like, you got a hold of that rope, huh? How he, you got a tight grip? Okay, just look out over the horizon for me real quick. <laughs> and then just kicks him right in the ass. Yeah, that, that could have been bad. That could have ended our movie right here. And uh, and old Sanga would have been pissed. Old Clint would have gotten beat the shit beat out of him probably by Tong Po because he was supposed to make sure nothing like that happened to uh, Dave Sloan. But uh, yeah, we get that uh, after that. After he survives that, they take a nice walk on the beach. Um, and Zian kind of opens up a bit about his late wife and about Mai Lee. Again, we kind of just have to assume maybe Freddie Lee and Tong Po from the original had yeah. some something to do with uh, their demise as well. Um, and then we get Th- to see... But old- this happened after Zian was like uh, lusting over those girls. Oh, yeah. You're right. He did, uh, yeah. Yeah, he was like, oh, very beautiful women and beautiful this weather. Dave was like, what are you talking about? Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's so, so aloof is one David Sloan. Uh, Brian is getting some different kind of training than he got at Sloan's gym, though, uh, Chris. Yeah, you know, we made the WWE comparisons, and I guess, uh, you know, he's taking his medicine. (laughs) You know, he's training, he's saying his his prayers, and he's taking his vitamins to get ready for his big championship match. Mm -hmm. He's he's on that Liver King regimen. And... uh, Sanga is there to wish Brian good luck. And also, it's like, you know what? You should probably patch things up with your boy, David. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a bit curious. So Brian does go to see David in his uh, brand new shiny red Corvette convertible styling and profiling as only Brian the Hammer can. And uh, he offers David some money. David's like, I don't want your money. <laughs> But he will take the tickets to go see his former protege fight, and even brings his mo- David's mom uh, to the to the fight. Uh, so all of Sangha's little puppeteering is all starting to fall into place here. But there's one last piece, Chad Cruz, because we get Brian the Hammer introduced, but Lightning Lou, his scheduled opponent, mm, mm. something's about to happen. Yeah, so much for that title fight for uh, for the hammer there. But Lightning Lou gets kind of pulled out as he's walking out to the ring, and he's suddenly, you know, quote unquote, injured. Uh, and guess guess who's fighting in his place? Oh, the man, the myth, the legend, the rapist, Tong Po. <laughs> uh, yes, Michelle Kesey back for a, a return engagement here. Did not make it back for part four. Uh, but uh, he is here, and his, and he's obviously unsanctioned. He's not any kind of commission, uh, but Sangha doesn't care. He, he kind of strong arms Micaiah and says, like, yeah, just make it happen. Um, Micaiah's like, hey, you know, you don't have to do this, Brian, but Brian is so cocky, and so this is the moment yeah. he's been waiting for. He's not going to chicken out now. He's yeah. going for it. And he's that, hungry. He is a hungry bastard. 
and that's going that hunger is going to cost him though, Chad. It is a huge mistake on his part, but I mean the dude can take a punch. Um, sadly, Tong Po does not fight by the same rules as the U the uh, UKA. Uh, nope. In fact, he fights by no rules. Uh, he's he's kneeing the dude. He's fucking elbowing him and headbutting him, and he does everything but punch him in the dick essentially. And you know, Judo Jean LaBelle is kind of like, hey, don't do that. You know, <laughs> they does basically the UKA only have one ref. I think yeah. so. He's so and it, tired. And it's Judo Jean LaBelle. I mean, if you're going to only have one ref, <laughs> it might as well be Judo Jean. Judo Jean LaBelle is the guy you want. Uh, but he gets Royal Rumble eliminated after, after a while. He just gets he's there's no doubt he got eliminated. There's no hang. Oh, is there? Is he gonna hang? No, he just gets that's, dumped. That's a hell of a stunt. And I heard a, I think Kesey got hurt doing that. I think I read somewhere that Mike, Michelle Kesey got hurt like throwing Gene LaBelle out the ring. But LaBelle, like he sucks as a ref in this fight. Like he he ruined this fight for me because he is just elbowing him in the face, just. Well, he's dead now, Chad, so. I know. That's fine. But he's he sucked as a ref. and They really wrote him into a corner on this one. Yeah, and David uh, tried to go down there. You know, I mentioned that earlier. When Zian sees that it's uh, Tong Po, he's like, you need to get get Brian out of there because this is a killer. Literally, he is a killer. It's not a, I'm not hyping him. He killed your brothers. So David gets there. He's being dragged away from security. Um, which is a great, that would be a great where you go to commercial. Oh my God, he's going on. Well, yeah. Saturday night's main event returns right after this. It would be perfect right there. But uh, so we do that. Uh, Brian's rushed to the hospital. The athletic commission just is like, Micaiah, you're, you're done. You're out yeah. of the professional kickboxing business. Uh, Senga does show up with a nice severance package of sorts for right. Micaiah to go away. And that's the last we see of Micaiah. Uh, kind of one other guy who just disappears, kind of like Vargas. Although Vargas, one would assume, probably got arrested for the arson and, and the potential. Well, they said that one time he's like when uh, yeah, when David kind of like heals up, and he's like he's like, oh, Vargas acted on his own. Yeah, so but he, that's all you hear. You don't hear that he went to jail. Like, you know, how did you know right. Vargas did it? Yeah, like, you, you really you gotta assume irony. he's at least in the system at this point and right. awaiting trial. Maybe we could do a spinoff of what happened to Vargas after this. Like in jail, did he start a kickboxing oh, There we go. I like that. Another See, what if. I was just going to say that the uh, the characterization of Micaiah is kind of all over the place. Because first he's kind of like the, you know, the greedy evil promoter. Mm-hmm. And then he's telling Brian, you don't have to take this fight. Right. And then he's in the back and he's like, just get out. Leave me alone. But then he takes the payoff and he's like, hey, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like he, he's a man of many emotions, Mr. Peter Boyle. He's a chameleon. He's whatever, certainly. Whatever the mood is, he just matches. He was it. certainly not the jovial Jocko Dundee from Johnny Dangerously here. Okay. He is a money over everything kind of guy. And, uh. I mean, he, he takes Brian to his house at one point and shows him like, oh, it'll do, you know, it's fine. And it's like this sweet mansion with his big pool and all these hot chicks swimming in oh, it. Oh, yeah, there were. So. So uh, Brian doesn't make it. And for whatever reason, Sangha is there just milliseconds after he's pronounced dead. Uh, and he's, oh, Kurt, you got to fight in two hours with Tong Po. I mean, Sangha had this thing well planned out, Chad Cruz. Yeah. I, I also love this scene. I love that everything at this point is going as planned, you know, for Sangha because, you know, he's got the he's got the, the, the fat pockets to back all this up. He's got Micaiah in his back pocket. He 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 
played him like a like a flute, and uh, now he's he, he's coming into the, the. This is the it. This is it, right? For here, for him, this is his plan. Yeah, coming Kenny Loggins said it best. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> this is it. I love Kenny Loggins. Um, I just, you know, uh, CHT. I'm going to call him that. He yeah. uh, he does a fantastic job, and every scene that he's in, I enjoy. And if there's one thing this movie, well, there's many things this movie does well, but it has so many cool actors in it and so many noticeable faces. Albert Pune, you know, as a director, gets every last penny out of every budget that he has, and he he gets a lot out of actors, and he goes back to actors a lot, and which is a good thing because he always uses good people. Um, and I think that, uh, CHT showing up there at the very end and saying like, you got two hours and then you're fighting Tong Po, like, like everything is falling into place. Even CN like being there and playing his role, playing his part, even though he, he didn't exactly know why he was there. Um, it all makes sense. And it, it, it really kind of comes to fruition here at the end. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up, uh, Pune's, uh, penny pinching filmmaking style, because I think he had he did such a good job with the budget. That's how he made the blood match movie. Yes. Because he had, so he had leftover money from this. So, and they had used the same arena for most of that uh, movie as well. So yeah, pretty much all was, of that movie. <laughs> yeah. I think it was, yeah, there was maybe one scene outside and everything else was inside that, uh, the, uh, the Bryn event center. There, there was a, an interview with uh, Christopher Lambert when he was talking about Albert Pune and he said, you know, he was, he was just this amazing director and had so much energy and felt like he was in five places at one time talking to everybody on set. And, and he would, he would shoot a film in like seven days. And we were like, please, Albert, just like, take like, take 15 days. Like, just take, just, just let it like stretch it out longer and we'll have like an even better film. We'll make a freaking masterpiece. And he's like, no, he just wouldn't do it. He would just like shoot the film and be done with it and be on to the next thing a week you later. Could, you could see why he, you know, ended up with Canon for some yeah. of his movies oh, yeah. because they, that's, they love that. That was their oh, yeah. style. And uh, so, yeah, we get, we get the, the final fight and much like the, from the first kickboxer, we get the, the fist in, in the glass, which is just amazing. Uh, that, that is one of those things that just stuck with me forever to the point when I had my, big match between Terry Gordy and Ole Anderson inside a cage made of wood and steel at Texas stadium. They did the glass fist gimmick there uh, as well. Gordy vanquished the evil Ole Anderson for anybody mm. wondering. Uh, he was a 10 time champion for me. Whew. Uh, he was great. Gordomania ran wild uh, <laughs> in my fed, uh, which was owned and operated by good old JR. Uh, so yeah, we get the, uh, we get to the big fight. And it's it's no rules, Chris. Basically, until one man can no longer continue. So Texas Death, almost. Yeah, uh, last man standing, Texas Death. Uh, I was gonna say one fall to the finish, but that is not what I intended to say. <laughs> but basically, this is it. This is uh, this is what it's come down to. And uh, you know, and David takes quite an ass kicking in this one, Chad. It he does. is. It's not looking good for him. It's looking like Tong Po is going to get his honor back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's looking that way for most of the fight, and then uh, as we've seen before in the past, uh, and we even heard from David. He said this when we, you know, when when things are darkest, something something about seeing. I don't remember what it was. 
it inspired him to do the blindfold trick. Yes, it inspired him to do the gimmick where he's blindfolded. So Tongpo starts throwing blows and and he's dodging them and ducking them and like the Matrix and that. And then all of a sudden, you know, he slones up again and and you know hands out an ass whooping. You know his his brothers would have been proud of him. Another um, uh, another apt Rocky comparison. It was you know the I ain't indeed. heard no bell yet. Yeah, he get he get he gets some great motivation from Cien and and uh, what does he yeah. say? He's like, uh, I see the fat lady. I, I hear no singing. Right, perfect. And uh, his buddy, what's his, what's uh, Jack? Was his name? Jack. Yeah, Jack was there and and giving him a few words that he needed to hear as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a good finish. Uh, David does well. He, he whoops Tong Po's ass. It's it's you know, there's no debating who won this fight because Tong Po's on the outside bleeding out of his face holes. And uh, and yeah, you get sore loser Senga though. Yeah, that kind yeah, of pulling out the strap. Um, I would have loved to have heard a Nuxu Cal uh reference from Cien. Mm-hmm. That would have been great. But uh, yeah, he Senga pulls out the strap as as Toy Man says, and uh, he gets a, you know, he gets his face fucked up too. And rightfully so. This yeah, exactly. whole thing. I mean, he he destroyed the UKA in one night. He uh, yeah, he killed. He, obviously, he's just horrible. And uh, you got you got what you deserve there, bud. Uh, and then we get a little lighthearted ending. We find out Zian has a is a poor driver, or at least Parker. Um, and uh, another young punk. It's just it's just a, a daily occurrence over there at Sloan's right. gym. There's just juvenile delinquents. Juvenile delinquents who question David Sloan's abilities, and uh, but even a juvenile delinquent deserves some ice cream once in a while, uh, and that's ice cream for everyone. Especially when their uh, their teacher's new sensei is buying. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Brain. I think you just said that. You know, even a juvenile delinquent deserves some ice cream every once in a while. I yeah. think that's a that's a great quote for you. Thank you. That uh, you know, hopefully. That just carries on for after I'm dead. Um, <laughs> the end credits. Uh, final kickboxer two thoughts. I'm going to start with the toy man because here's where he will give us his hottest of hot takes. And then Chad yeah. Cruz could lose his fucking mind. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're coming hot off the Punisher podcast. So we're just going to keep that same energy going tonight, I guess. Uh, I have mentioned this to you in conversations over the years, and I've mentioned it to other people as well. But since those movies have already been covered on BulletproofAction.com, I didn't get to say it in print, so I'll say it now. I actually find Kickboxer 2 to be my favorite of the series, even over the original. I think it's the best one. I love the story, uh, whether you want to call it the comeback story of David Sloan, um, just the writing, uh, which David S. Goyer, who is the writer, is responsible for films that uh, are much more uh, well-known in the mainstream, such as The Dark Knight. Uh, I am a fan of Sasha Mitchell. I thought that he was good in here. Tong Po is always awesome. Uh, you had some true star power there with CHT and Peter Boyle. Uh, you know, early film role for Vince Murdaco, who went on to be in plenty of films that three of us all know and love. I just think that this is a great movie. I mean, I watched it endlessly when I was a kid. It's a movie that I could throw on any day and never get sick of and never feel like David Sloan does in the middle half of the film. So I am going to say that this is my favorite kickboxer film, even over the original with JCVD. 
Chad Cruz, your response. I'm not going to lose my shit brain. I, okay. I can tell, I can totally see how, you know, you can, you can grow up loving this movie and enjoying it. I enjoyed it. You know, I, uh, as a kid, I didn't like it as much just because I was, you know, I, I was so Van Damme, like that was, that was my shit. You know what I mean? Van Damme was my guy. Uh, I live and die with that dude. I would have joined his cult if you'd asked me back then, but, uh, does he have a cult? I don't know. No, Anyhow, not that uh, I know of. Not anymore. Probably. John Colt Van Dam. <laughs> I'm in. Dot com. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think the movie's a really fun movie. I, I think it, uh, like I said, Albert Pune, I think he does a great job with what he's got. I like the actors. Uh, Sasha Mitchell is good. Um, my, my my biggest problems, I I, th- I prefer the original Kickboxer. I think it's a uh, just a more exciting action film. I think that the, the fight scenes are better. I think that Van Damme's more charismatic than David Sloan, um, or Kirk Sloan's more charismatic than David Sloan. But, but, uh, but I could see why you would enjoy this. It, it, the, the story is very different than the first one. You know, the first one is it's literally like Van Damme getting revenge against Tong Po for whooping his brother's ass, breaking his back, and all this stuff. And and he's and only in the end does it re- like truly get kind of criminal. You know, Miley gets, you know she gets raped and, and the brothers like th- being threatened to be killed and all this crap's going down at the end. And then it kind of becomes like life or death situation. Whereas this one, he gets thrown into the fire a little bit sooner. You know, his, his the little buddy gets killed in the fire. Uh, literally his, gets thrown into the fire, literally gets thrown into a fire and almost dies, gets shot. Um, and then his, his buddy, Brian gets killed. Um, so there's a lot more kind of being beaten down in this one. Whereas, you know, Kurt, I mean, most of the Kerr movie is like Rocky. Like he's he's working his way through the ranks to even get a fight with Tong Po. So it's, it's quite a different film. And, and, and so I did enjoy it. Uh, personally, I prefer Kickboxer over Kickboxer 2. Um, my biggest problems with this, Tong Po, I think it's a raw deal. I think he shows up for like 16 seconds. And then all of a sudden, like he doesn't get... He doesn't get that that scene. He doesn't know? have that build up. Like he, he has, has no build up, and, and the only build up is if you've seen the original. And right. then if you have seen the original, you've seen what a badass he is. So you're like, where where, where is that? So when he fights Brian, um, he he kicks the shit out of Brian. Brian takes all this punishment, like like an insane amount of punishment, and he's just like standing there getting kicked in the face and elbowed in the face and kneed in the chin. I'm like this dude won't go down. Like if anything, Brian showed me that he's a extreme badass because he just like took all this punishment for like two rounds. Well, he's also a literal murderer in this film now too. <laughs> yes, indeed. And he's so, like, I mean, he's he's a criminal kickboxer here, and he gets worse throughout the films. <laughs> in the next sequels, he just gets worse. Yes, I mean both both in status and yeah. in uh, portrayal because of <laughs> yes, the way that he looks obviously. in part four. Um. I do think that the I, I made the mistake of going back right after I finished the movie a couple nights ago and watched the uh, a few of the fight scenes from the original Kickboxer, and I just think they're shot better. Uh, the slow motion kind of took me out of some of the fights, and I I mean I enjoy Sasha Mitchell, but the dude throwing these like kicks, it just didn't look good. I don't know. It's just me. It's maybe it's just my eye. You know, I mean, so the stuff filmed at the arena felt more like we were watching a sports movie, like a Rocky or or what have you. So you've got this, you know, gripping drama slash revenge martial arts film slash, you know, Rocky kickboxing movie. It, it did have a little trouble finding out what it wanted to be, yeah. but it was still a great film. 
I enjoy it. I trust me. I, I do. I did like it. And, and you're not going to get the, uh, you know, I, I hate, hate Punisher War Zone. Right. I hate that movie. Right. Uh, this one I like. I will. Yeah, I will agree. Kickboxer 2, a great movie. Kickboxer 1, an excellent movie. Uh, the training montages. We haven't talked. I mean, the training montages in the original Kickboxer are far superior to Tai Chi in the park with hobos. Uh, there's a, does David Sloan get down and boogie? No, <laughs> but I know who does Jean-Claude Van Damme. He does. And, and just the fun. Yeah, you're right. The, the fights here have a more sporting feel, but I mean, that fight in the ancient temple is pretty fucking awesome with the fire and the chains and, and the ass cheeks. I mean, and, you don't get much better than that. And you know what the, another, sorry, I don't mean to butt in brain, but the, the glass on the, on the hands, what an awesome gimmick. I'm glad they brought it back, but they don't really use it. No. If you watch the fight again, like the first probably 15 blows are all kicks. I'm like, dude, fucking slice his shit open. <laughs> right. Yeah. You haven't been scared of blood prior to that. Right. So. But the but the blood, I love the blood. I love, you know, at one point you see David's face and it's just beat to shit. And like, hell yeah, that looks sweet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, great movie. I'm, I'm with Chris on the favorite albert pune movie but cannot cannot put it over the original kickboxer in my mind um but i again at like chad i can understand why why you do because this is something special and then obviously sasha took the ball and ran with it for two more movies after this so he did something right and then we got the fifth one with only the strongs mark de and Obviously, Sasha did not uh, want to go there, so they killed him off for that one. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was killed in uh, he was killed in shadow boxing in the opening sequence. Yeah. <laughs> you don't return. We're not. We're just burning that bridge. We're not going to say like maybe one day we can have a super all star all star kickboxer team with every kickbox. Nah, nah. Fuck you. You don't want to come back for our movie. You're done. Out. So think about that, Elaine Moosey. If they keep asking you to do kickboxer movies, just say yes. Because uh, if you say no, they're going to kill you. All right. We are going to uh, kill this episode. We're going to wrap this up. I should say we're not going to kill it. I think we killed it in the positive terms. Mm. You know, we really killed it with this discussion. I think it was a good discussion here about Kickboxer 2. And we are going to wrap up this episode right after this. All right. Wrapping it up here on the Bulletproof Podcast, Chris the Brain, Chad Cruz, and Christy Petrillo, a.k.a. The Toy Man. And this is where I like to tell you all about BulletproofAction.com. Obviously, the Bulletproof Podcast, the official podcast of BulletproofAction.com. So much to still come in December. We're in just in the early part of December, Chad Cruz. We got some stuff. I got some Shaw Brothers action. Mm-hmm. I am looking forward to cracking open the Shaw Scope Volume 2 collection and uh, I'm going to be covering one of the movies from there. I know Jack Ryan is returning to uh, Prime, that's and Matt Spector will be doing that. I got some Michael Dudikoff action planned. Wonderful. Casper Van Dien and a big Christmas weekend. It's going to be a Merry Christmas or a Merry Christmas <laughs> this Christmas weekend. So I'm excited about that. Uh, Five chat- people got that. And that's fine, but more people will get it once it happens. I'll tell right, you that. right. Um, and they'll be like, "Wow, he's brilliant!" Um, <laughs> and I'll be like, "Yes." Uh, once in a while, I am. Uh, Chad, do you know what you're doing for the rest of the month? 
Uh, not really. I've okay. got a, uh, I've got one movie planned in the very near future and it, it may be out before this is, re- I doubt, no, it won't be out before this is released, but I, I, I do want to see that new, uh, new Netflix film. Uh, I, I think it's called like Warriors of Future. All right. Uh, the dude from Ricky, Ricky O is in it. It's like a sci-fi actioner. It looks pretty sweet. Um, so that'll certainly be on my, my, my short list this month, well, but we, we who the hell knows what I'm going to watch. I'm going to probably watch Home Alone like seven times. All right. Well, that's great. That ought to be fun. Um, Chris, do you know what you're, uh, what you're working on this month for uh, bulletproof action? Yeah. So I've got a scene of the week coming up. Uh, you and I had discussed that one earlier and then later in the month, no surrender cinema is going to cover a movie that uh, just celebrated its 30th anniversary this past year. It is the original gladiator film, which starred Cuba Gooding jr. Mm-hmm. And is not about ancient times and fighting to the death. It is about boxing and tough love and uh, another underdog story and fighting against corrupt matchmakers and a whole lot of good stuff that a lot of people might've forgotten about because it's got a title that was overshadowed by the 2000 film. So uh, we're going to bring that one back to the forefront for no surrender cinema on boxing day, boxing day, dude, that soundtrack. Oh, so freaking amazing. Yeah. You like, you like that seal that kicks things off. It's a fantastic song. Yeah, it's good. It's good. So there you go. Boxing day. Merry Christmas. We've got a lot going on. Chad Cruz is going Netflix crazy. Doing what it. about what about uh you know recently covered Violent Night? Check that one out. That yeah. one's up on the site. That's a that was a fun one. Uh, I think a lot of action fans are going to love Violent Night. Uh, it is indeed violent. It is gory, and it is just a wonderful piece of business. So and it's at night. It's at night too. Mm-hmm. It is. It took. Um, <laughs> it was at night, Christmas Eve <laughs> night, no less. Santa's busiest night of the year, um, and you know. Again, we said it at the top of the show, busy times over at Figures Toy Company, figurestoycompany.com, of course, for all your figures needs. And if, Chris, you want to give them those uh, codes so they could save some cash this holiday season, which is always a a welcome thing. Yeah, head on over, do your shopping. We're getting everything out ASAP, so you'll get it in time for Christmas. Obviously, the days are winding down as you're listening to this, but use code FTC10 to save 10% on orders that are under $200. Use code FTC20 to save on orders $200 and up. Many items have free shipping, especially some of the larger play sets and some of the newer items like the Ultimate Referee. But whether you are a fan of DC Comics, Scooby-Doo, Johnny Quest, Kiss, The Three Stooges, Evil Knievel, or The World of Wrestling, we've got a little bit of something for everybody. Lots of stuff in stock and a whole lot of amazing new items coming your way in 2023. So stay tuned to Figures Toy Company social media for all of those updates. It's at Figures Toy Co. on Twitter. Figures Toy Company, just look up the company name on Instagram and Facebook for product showcases, any sale updates, in-stock updates, things that are close to selling out that will become collector's items, Scooby-Doo figures, hint, hint, uh, and a whole lot more. And Chad... You'll be happy to know that that ultimate referee looks nothing like Judo Jean LaBelle. Well, you know, I love Judo Jean LaBelle, but he just did a, a god-awful job as a referee. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, while we're on this Christmas kick, next time, Chad, it's going to be our Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. And we've got your boy, Ian, returning 
Mm-hmm. And we're talking some Batman Returns. He's very excited. I will say that for sure. Uh, he, he's been uh, very happy to contribute uh, when he's been asked to, uh, when it comes to the soundtracks, articles that we've been writing, uh, and any lists that we've done. Uh, but his wheelhouse is Batman. He he lives, breathes Batman. He talks about it constantly. All his shit's got bat seg- symbols on it and uh all his tools have like Batman names. Uh, he's a big nerd for Batman. So I think he's, he's prepped and ready to go at a moment's notice. Well, you make sure to give him those figures toy links because there's some Batman shit. I did. You know, actually I just pulled up we, when he first mentioned the code at the very beginning, I pulled up the, the website as we were talking. Uh, I wasn't really listening to what you guys were saying. So I went ahead and pulled up that that's, website. That's natural. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and uh, there were, before I even inputted the codes, there was already like 10% discounts on some of the stuff that I was looking at. So I was pretty thrilled. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to stuff some stockings with some of these gifts. There you go. Much appreciated. Please contribute to my paycheck. (laughs) Yeah. Because he has his own toys. He has got to buy after that. Uh, and again, don't forget Friday, December 9th, the third annual Geekscape holiday live stream tacular. Uh, to benefit Big Brothers and Big Sisters. We will be talking Scrooged on that, and we'll get you more details. Follow us on social media for those details. Again, at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter, at Bulletproof Action on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, anybody have anything else before I wrap this thing up? I think we should wrap it up like a Christmas present, sir. Okay, there you go. That's a nice pun, and it's been nice talking to you guys again. And I want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 